Section two of A Legend of Montrose. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A Legend of Montrose by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter two. His mother could for him, as cradles sat, her husband's rusty iron corselet whose jangling sound could hush her babe to rest that never plained of his uneasy nest then did he dream of dreary wars at hand and woke and fought and won ere he could stand hall's satires it was towards the close of a summer's evening during the anxious period which we have commemorated that a young gentleman of quality well mounted and armed and accompanied by two servants one of whom led a sumpter horse rode slowly up one of those steep passes by which the highlands are accessible from the lowlands of perthshire the beautiful pass of lenny near calendar in monteith would in some respects answer this description their course had lain for some time along the banks of a lake whose deep waters reflected the crimson beams of the western sun the broken path which they pursued with some difficulty was in some places shaded by ancient birches and oak trees and in others overhung by fragments of huge rock elsewhere the hill which formed the northern side of this beautiful sheet of water arose in steep but less precipitous acclivity and was arrayed in heath of the darkest purple in the present times a scene so romantic would have been judged to possess the highest charms for the traveller but those who journey in days of doubt and dread pay little attention to picturesque scenery the master kept as often as the wood permitted abreast of one or both of his domestics and seemed earnestly to converse with them probably because the distinctions of rank are readily set aside among those who are made to be sharers of common danger the dispositions of the leading men who inhabit this wild country and the probability of their taking part in the political convulsions that were soon expected were the subjects of their conversation they had not advanced above half-way up the lake and the young gentleman was pointing to his attendants the spot where their intended road turned northwards and leaving the verge of the loch ascended a ravine to the right hand when they discovered a single horseman coming down the shore as if to meet them the gleam of the sunbeams upon his headpiece and corslet showed that he was in armour and the purpose of the other travellers required that he should not pass unquestioned we must know who he is said the young gentleman and whither he is going and putting spurs to his horse he rode forward as fast as the rugged state of the road would permit followed by his two attendants until he reached the point where the pass along the side of the lake was intersected by that which descended from the ravine securing thus against the possibility of the stranger eluding them by turning into the latter road before they came up with him 
the single horseman had mended his pace when he first observed the three riders advance rapidly towards him but when he saw them halt and form a front which completely occupied the path he checked his horse and advanced with great deliberation so that each party had an opportunity to take a full survey of the other the solitary stranger was mounted upon an able horse fit for military service and for the great weight which he had to carry and his rider occupied his demipique or war-saddle with an air that showed it was his familiar seat he had a bright burnished headpiece with a plume of feathers together with a cuirass thick enough to resist a musket-ball and a back-piece of lighter materials these defensive arms he wore over a buff jerkin along with a pair of gauntlets or steel gloves the tops of which reached up to his elbow and which like the rest of his armor were of bright steel at the front of his military saddle hung a case of pistols far beyond the ordinary size nearly two feet in length and carrying bullets of twenty to the pound a buff belt with a broad silver buckle sustained on one side a long straight double-edged broadsword with a strong guard and a blade calculated either to strike or push on the right side hung a dagger of about eighteen inches in length a shoulder belt sustained at his back a musketoon or blunderbuss and was crossed by a bandolier containing his charges of ammunition thigh pieces of steel then termed taslets met the tops of his huge jack-boots and completed the equipage of a well-armed trooper of the period the appearance of the horseman himself corresponded well with his military equipage to which he had the air of having been long inured he was above the middle size and of strength sufficient to bear with ease the weight of his weapons offensive and defensive his age might be forty and upwards and his countenance was that of a resolute weather-beaten veteran who had seen many fields and brought away in token more than one scar at the distance of about thirty yards he halted and stood fast raised himself on his stirrups as if to reconnoitre and ascertain the purpose of the opposite party and brought his musketoon under his right arm ready for use if occasion should require it in everything but numbers he had the advantage of those who seemed inclined to interrupt his passage the leader of the party was indeed well mounted and clad in a buff coat richly embroidered the half military dress of the period but his domestics had only coarse jackets of thick felt which could scarce be expected to turn the edge of a sword if wielded by a strong man and none of them had any weapons save swords and pistols without which gentlemen or their attendants during those disturbed times seldom stirred abroad when they had stood at gaze for about a minute the younger gentleman gave the challenge which was then common in the mouth of all strangers who met in such circumstances for whom are you tell me first answered the soldier for whom are you the strongest party should speak first we are for god and king charles answered the first speaker now tell your faction you know ours 
i am for god and my standard answered the single horseman and for which standard replied the chief of the other party cavalier or roundhead king or convention by my troth sir answered the soldier i would loath to reply to you with an untruth as a thing unbecoming a cavalier of fortune and a soldier but to answer your query with beseeming veracity it is necessary i should myself have resolved to whilk of the present divisions of the kingdom i shall ultimately adhere being a matter whereon my mind is not as yet precisely ascertained i should have thought answered the gentleman that when loyalty and religion are at stake no gentleman or man of honour could be long in choosing his party truly sir replied the trooper if ye speak in the way of vituperation as meaning to impugn my honour or gentility i would blithely put the same to issue venturing in that quarrel with my single person against you three but if you speak it in the way of logical ratiocination whilk i have studied in my youth at the marischal college of aberdeen i am ready to prove to ye logis that my resolution to defer for a certain season the taking upon me either of these quarrels not only becometh me as a gentleman and a man of honour but also as a person of sense and prudence one imbued with humane letters in his early youth and who from thenceforward has followed the wars under the banner of the invincible gustavus the lion of the north and under many other heroic leaders both lutheran and calvinist papist and arminian after exchanging a word or two with his domestics the younger gentleman replied i should be glad sir to have some conversation with you upon so interesting a question and should be proud if i can determine you in favour of the cause i have myself espoused i ride this evening to a friend's house not three miles distant whither if you choose to accompany me you shall have good quarters for the night and free permission to take your own road in the morning if you then feel no inclination to join with us whose word am i to take for this answered the cautious soldier a man must know his guarantee or he may fall into an ambuscade i am called answered the younger stranger the earl of menteith and i trust you will receive my honour as a sufficient security a worthy nobleman answered the soldier whose parole is not to be doubted with one motion he replaced his musketoon at his back and with another made his military salute to the young nobleman and continuing to talk as he rode forward to join him and i trust said he my own assurance that i will be bon camarado to your lordship in peace or in peril during the time we shall abide together will not be altogether vilipended in these doubtful times when as they say a man's head is safer in a still cap than in a marble palace i assure you sir said lord menteith that to judge from your appearance i most highly value the advantage of your escort but i trust we shall have no occasion for any exercise of valour as i expect to conduct you to good and friendly quarters good quarters my lord replied the soldier are always acceptable and are only to be postponed 
to good pay or good booty not to mention the honour of a cavalier or the needful points of commanded duty and truly my lord your noble proffer is not the less welcome in that i knew not precisely this night where i and my poor companion patting his horse were to find lodgments may i be permitted to ask then said lord menteith to whom i have the good fortune to stand quartermaster truly my lord said the trooper my name is dalgetty dugald dalgetty ritmaster dugald dalgetty of drumthwacket at your honourable service to command it is a name you may have seen in gallo belgicus the swedish intelligencer or if you read high dutch in the fliegenden mercator of Lipsick. my father my lord having by unthrifty courses reduced a fair patrimony to a nonentity i had no better shift when i was eighteen years old than to carry the learning whilk i had acquired at the marischal college of aberdeen my gentle bluid and designation of drumthwacket together with a pair of stalworth arms and legs conform to the german wars there to push my way as a cavalier of fortune my lord my legs and arms stood me in more stead than either my gentle kin or my booklear and i found myself trailing a pike as a private gentleman under old sir ludovic leslie where i learned the rules of service so tightly that i will not forget them in a hurry sir i have been made to stand guard eight hours being from twelve at noon to eight o'clock of the night at the palace armed with back and breast headpiece and bracelets being ironed to the teeth in a bitter frost and the ice was as hard as ever was flint and all for stopping an instant to speak to my landlady when i should have gone to roll-call and doubtless sir replied lord menteith you have gone through some hot service as well as this same cold duty you talk of surely my lord it doth not become me to speak but he that hath seen the fields of Lipsig and of lutzen may be said to have seen pitched battles and one who hath witnessed the intaking of frankfurt and spanheim and nuremberg and so forth should know somewhat about leaguers storms onslaughts and outfalls but your merit sir and experience were doubtless followed by promotion it came slow my lord doom slow replied dalgetty but as my scottish countrymen the fathers of the war and the raisers of those valorous scottish regiments that were the dread of germany began to fall pretty thick what with pestilence and what with the sword why we their children succeeded to their inheritance sir i was six years first private gentleman of the company and three years lance spicey disdaining to receive a halberd as unbecoming my birth wherefore i was ultimately promoted to be a fondragger as the high dutch call it which signifies an ancient in the king's leaf regiment of black horse and thereafter i arose to be lieutenant and ritmaster under that invisible monarch the bulwark of the protestant faith the lion of the north the terror of austria gustavus the victorious and yet if i understand you captain dalgetty i think that rank corresponds with your foreign title of ritmaster the same grade 
precisely answered dalgetty rittmaster signifying literally file leader i was observing continued lord menteith that if i understood you right you had left the service of this great prince it was after his death it was after his death sir said dalgetty when i was in no shape bound to continue mine adherence there are things my lord in that service that cannot but go against the stomach of any cavalier of honour in especial albeit the pay be none of the most superabundant being only about sixty dollars a month to a ritmaster yet the invincible gustavus never paid above one-third of that sum whilk was distributed monthly by way of loan although when justly considered it was in fact a borrowing by that great monarch of the additional two-thirds which were due to the soldier and i have seen some whole regiments of dutch and holsteiners mutiny on the field of battle like base scullions crying out gelt gelt signifying their desire of pay instead of falling to blows like our noble scottish blades who ever disdained my lord postponing of honour to filthy lucre but were not these arrears said lord menteith paid to the soldiery at some stated period my lord said dalgetty i take it on my conscience that at no period and by no possible process could one crutzer of them ever be recovered i myself never saw twenty dollars of my own all the time i served the invincible gustavus unless it was from the chance of a storm or victory or the fetching in some town or dorp when a cavalier of fortune who knows the usage of wars seldom faileth to make some small profit i begin rather to wonder sir said lord menteith that you should have continued so long in the swedish service than that you should have ultimately withdrawn from it neither i should answered the ritmaster but that great leader captain and king the lord of the north and the bulwark of the protestant faith had a way of winning battles taking towns overrunning countries and levying contributions whilk made his service irresistibly delectable to all true-bred cavaliers who follow the noble profession of arms simple as i ride here my lord i have myself commanded the whole stift of dunkelspiel on the lower rhine occupying the palsgrave's palace consuming his choice wines with my comrades calling in contributions requisitions and cotowacs and not failing to lick my fingers as became a good cook but truly all this glory hastened to decay after our great master had been shot with three bullets on the field of lutzen wherefore finding that fortune had changed sides that the borrowings and lendings went on as before out of our pay while the cadwacks and casualties were all cut off i even gave up my commission and took service with wallenstein in walter butler's irish regiment and may i beg to know of you said lord menteith apparently interested in the adventures of this soldier of fortune how you liked this change of masters indifferent well said the captain very indifferent well i cannot say that the emperor paid much better than the great gustavus for hard knocks we had plenty of them i was often obliged to run my head against my old acquaintances 
the Swedish feathers, whilk your honour must conceive to be double-pointed stakes, shod with iron at each end, and planted before the squad of pikes to prevent an onfall of the cavalry. The whilk Swedish feathers, although they look gay to the eye, resembling the shrubs or lesser trees of a forest, as the puissant pikes arranged in battalia behind them correspond to the tall pines thereof, yet nevertheless are not altogether so soft to encounter as the plumage of a goose. Howbeit, in despite of heavy blows and light pay, the cavalier of fortune may thrive indifferently well in the imperial service, in respect his private casualties are nothing so closely looked to as by the Swede, and so that an officer did his duty on the field, neither Wallenstein, nor Pappenheim, nor old Tilly before them, would likely listen to the objurgations of boors or burghers against any commander or soldado, by whom they chanced to be somewhat closely shorn so that an experienced cavalier knowing how to lay as our scottish phrase runs the head of the sow to the tail of the grice might get out of the country the pay whilk he could not obtain from the emperor with a full hand sir doubtless and with interest said lord menteith indubitably my lord answered dalgetty composedly for it would be doubly disgraceful for any soldado of rank to have his name called in question for any petty delinquency and pray sir continued lord menteith what made you leave so gainful a service why truly sir answered the soldier an irish cavalier called o'killigan being major of our regiment and i having had words with him the night before respecting the worth and precedence of our several nations it pleased him the next day to deliver his orders to me with the point of his batoon advanced and held aloof instead of declining and trailing the same as is the fashion from a courteous commanding officer towards his equal in rank though it may be his inferior in military grade upon this quarrel sir we fought in private rencontre and as in the perquisitions which followed it pleased walter butler our oberst or colonel to give the lighter punishment to his countrymen and the heavier to me whereupon ill stomaching such partiality i exchanged my commission for one under the spaniard i hope you found yourself better off by the change said lord menteith in good sooth answered the ritmaster i had but little to complain of the pay was somewhat regular being furnished by the rich flemings and walloons of the low country the quarters were excellent the good wheaten loaves of the flemings were better than the provent rye bread of the swede and rhenish wine was more plenty with us than ever i saw the black beer of rostock in gustavus's camp service there was none duty there was little and what little we might do or leave undone at our pleasure an excellent retirement for a cavalier somewhat weary of field and leaguer who had purchased with his blood as much honour as might serve his turn and was desirous of a little ease and good living and may i ask said lord menteith why you captain being as i suppose in the situation you describe retired from the spanish service also 
you are to consider my lord that your spaniard replied captain dalgetty is a person altogether unparalleled in his own conceit wherethrough he maketh not fit account of such foreign cavaliers of valour as are pleased to take service with him and a galling thing it is to every honourable soldado to be put aside and postponed and obliged to yield preference to every puffing seigneur who were it the question which should first mount a breach at push of pike might be apt to yield willing place to a scottish cavalier moreover sir i was pricked in conscience respecting a matter of religion i should not have thought captain dalgetty said the young nobleman that an old soldier who had changed service so often would have been too scrupulous on that head no more i am my lord said the captain since i hold it to be the duty of the chaplain of the regiment to settle those matters for me and every other brave cavalier inasmuch as he does nothing else that i know of for his pay and allowances but this was our particular case my lord a casus improvisus as i may say in whilk i had no chaplain of my own persuasion to act as my adviser i found in short that although my being a protestant might be winked at in respect that i was a man of action and had more experience than all the dons in our tertia put together yet when in garrison it was expected i should go to mass with the regiment now my lord as a true scottish man and educated at the marischal college of aberdeen i was bound to uphold the mass to be an act of blinded papistry and utter idolatry whilk i was altogether unwilling to homologate by my presence true it is that i consulted on the point with a worthy countryman of my own one father fadsides of the scottish covenant in wardsburg and i hope observed lord menteith you obtained a clear opinion from this same ghostly father as clear as it could be replied captain dalgetty considering we had drunk six flasks of rhenish and about two munchkins of kirschenwasser father fatsides informed me that as nearly as he could judge for a heretic like myself it signified not much whether i went to mass or not seeing my eternal perdition was signed and sealed at any rate in respect of my impenitent and obdurate perseverance in my damnable heresy being discouraged by this response i applied to a dutch pastor of the reformed church who told me he thought i might lawfully go to mass in respect that the prophet permitted naaman a mighty man of valour and an honourable cavalier of syria to follow his master into the house of ryman a false god or idol to whom he had vowed service and to bow down when the king was leaning upon his hand but neither was this answer satisfactory to me both because there was an unco difference between an anointed king of syria and our spanish colonel whom i could have blown away like the peeling of an ingan and chiefly because i could not find the thing was required of me by any of the articles of war neither was i proffered any consideration either in perquisite or pay for the wrong i might thereby do to my conscience so you again changed your service 
said lord menteith in troth i did my lord and after trying for a short while two or three other powers i even took on for a time with their high mightinesses the states of holland and how did their service jump with your humour again demanded his companion oh my lord said the soldier in a sort of enthusiasm their behaviour on payday might be a pattern to all europe no borrowings no lendings no offsets no arrears all balanced and paid like a banker's book the quarters too are excellent and the allowances unchallengeable but then sir they are a procis scrupulous people and will allow nothing for peccadilloes so that if a boar complains of a broken head or a beer-seller of a broken can or a daft wench does but squeak loud enough to be heard above her breath a soldier of honour shall be dragged not before his own court-martial who can best judge and punish his demerits but before a base mechanical burgomaster who shall menace him with the rasp-house the cord and what not as if he were one of their own mean amphibious twenty-breeched boars so not being able to dwell longer among those ungrateful plebeians who although unable to defend themselves by their proper strength will nevertheless allow the noble foreign cavalier who engages with them nothing beyond his dry wages which no honourable spirit will put in competition with a liberal licence and honourable countenance i resolved to leave the service of the mynheers and hearing at this time to my exceeding satisfaction that there is something to be doing this summer in my way in this my dear native country i am come hither as they say like a beggar to a bridal in order to give my loving countrymen the advantage of that experience which i have acquired in foreign parts so your lordship has an outline of my brief story excepting my deportment in those passages of action in the field in leaguers storms and onslaughts whilk would be wearisome to narrate and might peradventure better befit any other tongue than mine own End of chapter two